This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. Lee Cole grew up in rural Kentucky. Groundskeeping, his debut novel, takes place in Kentucky for the most part. But even if you haven't ever been there, the emotional landscape of the novel feels very familiar. The book starts a few weeks before the 2016 presidential election, and the main character, Owen, is trying to find his place in the world. Lee Cole is a graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop. He lives in New York City, and he is on the line with me now. Hello, Lee. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And I think the the perfect place to start is actually at the beginning of the novel. Would you read just the first few paragraphs for us? I've always had the same predicament. When I'm home in Kentucky, all I want is to leave. When I'm away, I'm homesick for a place that never was. This is what I told Alma the night we met. A grad student had thrown a party and we'd both gone. I don't know how long we'd been talking or how the conversation started, but I'd seen her watching me. That's why I went over. She was watching me like I might try to steal something from her. What does that mean, a place that never was, she said. All around us, people were talking in groups of twos and threes. It was a house way out in the country, decorated in the way you'd expect of a grad student, someone with an overdeveloped sense of irony and curation who also happened to be broke. Foreign film posters, a lamp made from antlers with a buckskin shade, those chili pepper Christmas lights. We were standing in the pink glow of a Wurlitzer jukebox. In her right hand, she held a solo cup and an unlit cigarette. Her long denim skirt was of the kind I associated with Pentecostals. On the other side of the Wurlitzer stood a life-sized cardboard cutout of Walt Whitman, the one where he's got his hat cocked and his fist on his hip. I kept catching sight of him in my periphery and thinking it was another person standing there, eavesdropping. I don't know what I'm talking about, I said. I'm a little drunk. I can tell, she said. She took a sip of her drink and slipped her bra strap back onto her shoulder. She looked around for a moment, sort of bobbing her head to the music, which was not coming from the jukebox, but from some other mysterious source. People were dancing in an attention-seeking way. She let her eyes pass over them briefly, and then she turned back to me and shook her hair. It was all tangled and cut short in a kind of bob, the sort of dark hair that seemed red in a certain light, the light from the Wurlitzer, for instance. I hail from Virginia myself, she said, putting on a phony accent. Do you ever feel a sense of suffocation when you think about it? Like you start to hyperventilate and sweat, and next thing you know, you're completely overcome with this fear that if you go home, you'll be trapped there and never be able to leave? The question seemed to amuse her. No, she said. Yeah, me neither, I said. That is Lee Cole reading from his debut novel, Groundskeeping. And so in that that part of the book, right away, we meet Owen, the main character in the novel, and he is a relatively recent college graduate. He spent some time in Colorado working kind of as a forester and also doing drugs and living out of his car and or at the end. <laughs> and then he moves, he moves back to Kentucky. He's working at, as a groundskeeper at a, a small private college. Is that how you describe? Yeah, it's a fictional college, but yeah, it's, it's a, sort of a small college in the foothills of Appalachia. All right. And he, because he works as a groundskeeper, he also gets to take one course per semester and he's living in his grandfather's basement. So he's at a real crossroads in his life, trying to figure out who he is and where he's going. He wants to be a writer. And he meets Alma, and she is a writer. She is the visiting writer at this university. Tell me a little bit about her. 
Yeah, so she comes from a really different background, and Owen sort of has to learn this as he gets to know her, but she's the daughter of Bosnian immigrants and grew up uh, in a kind of affluent suburb of, of D.C., and, um, you know, she's had, she's really made a successful life for herself. You know, she's published a book in her 20s, um, and she's doing really well. She's definitely not, uh, you know, like Owen, sleeping in his car and, and trying to trying to get his life back together. And they do fall in love, uh, spoiler alert, but but there are a lot of things that, that divide them. And that's one of the things that this novel is about. It's about division in many different ways. And And you read that line, that idea, when I'm home in Kentucky, all I want is to leave. When I'm away, I'm homesick for a place that never was. And that felt like it wasn't just about Kentucky and Owen's home to me. That also felt like it was about really that slogan that, of course, we saw and see everywhere, make America great again, that that kind of longing for a place that that's mythological or fictional. Was that part of your idea that that it would have those two meanings? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's tricky because I think, you know, people in in rural America do have a lot to be upset about. I mean, it's it's, you know, they're justified being upset about the outsourcing of labor or, or stagnant wages or loss of opportunity in in rural places, but you know, I think Trump sort of channeled that anger toward immigrants and marginalized groups who were the least responsible for those those problems. And um, that's definitely an issue that I wanted to to explore in the book. Um, and that first line was really the first thing that that came to me. You know, I was I was really struggling with with writer's block and, and trying to uh, figure out what kind of emotional question or problem could sustain my interest over the course of, of writing a novel, which I knew could take a long time. And one day I just sort of forced myself to distill it down into into one sentence. What is, what's what been the perennial problem for me in my own life? And, and what I came up with was that first line that when I'm home in Kentucky, I want to leave. And, and when I'm away, I'm homesick. I I was thinking about that that double meaning of that a lot because I, I think a lot about the nostalgia that Trump really played upon and, and that we still see the Republican Party playing upon in this moment, nostalgia for a time that is undefined. And, you know, if you actually look closely at American history, I mean, I... I I'm trying to figure out when we were perfect and you know, <laughs> when, when things were perfectly perfect. But I, I, I found myself thinking a lot about those two feelings in symmetry with each other. But I also think, I don't know, I think almost anybody has experienced that young adult angst feeling about their home. At least, you know, I grew up in Iowa and I couldn't wait to leave. And then when I left, I was pretty eager to get back and I'm very happy that I came back. But that push and pull, that that felt incredibly resonant. So that's something that that you've experienced? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I was thinking too, uh, in the novel, Cracker Barrel plays a big role and they 
Alma and Owen go to a Cracker Barrel at one point. And for me, Cracker Barrel kind of represents the commodification of that nostalgia that you're talking about. It's all these old like farming tools hanging on the walls and it's sort of creating this false, um, this false mythological past. But yeah, on a personal level, it's definitely this, this nostalgia for, I guess, a simpler time. I don't know when I was a kid and it seemed like politics weren't so personal. Um, you know, I can remember being little and my parents, I mean, they were, they didn't like, you know, Clinton and they didn't vote Democrat, but it wasn't, the stakes didn't feel so high. There was something about the 2016 election that really intensified everything and made it impossible to uh, just agree to disagree because the issues were no longer just political quibbles about, you know, tax policy or something. They were about people's lives. For someone like, like Alma, who is a Muslim immigrant, I mean, the 2016 election was very personal with Trump banning travel to predominantly Muslim countries and floating the idea of a, a Muslim travel ban. So, you know, that that was part of the, my reasoning for setting the novel in 2016, because it felt like this time of such such tension, this sort of collision almost of tension and, and nostalgia. Well, and so many of us live in a bubble of people who agree with us. Uh, and, you know, whichever side of the divide we fall on. But Owen is in a space where he is interacting with people on both sides of the line. And I find that um, to be sort of unusual now. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right that there are very few people who have occasion to to spend time with people that they disagree with strongly. Um but the benefit of that is that you realize that no one is defined, no one's life is defined by who they vote for. Everybody contains multitudes, everybody's complicated. And, um, you know, it's, it's like in the abstract on, you know, social media or something or Twitter, you know, these political disagreements can seem uh, really high stakes, but actually spending time with people face to face, you, you realize they're just people and, and that, you know, they're not defined by their their political views. And that was really helpful for me writing this book, trying to access uh, empathy and, and being able to to engage with that kind of Whitman-esque idea that people, everybody contains multitudes. Owen has a little bit of a hard time doing that at times. Um, <laughs> you, uh, one of my favorite um, parts of the book is the time that he spends with this groundskeeping crew because this is that space. And, and I think a lot of people are familiar with this kind of space where he is interacting with people on both sides of this divide there. In particular, there are three men who spend a lot of time working together. And there's Owen. There is a, a black man who has a degree in history and he's working on his master's degree. And then there's a, another guy who they call Rando, which I felt was very on the nose. Um, but he is not an educated man. And he is deeply engaged with conspiracy theories. So you're really giving us a little bit of a foreshadowing of, of this QAnon mentality in that character. And, and the three of them work together on a daily basis. They get along pretty well before the election. Yeah, well, it is interesting because writing Rando, I mean, um, you're right that it was before 
I mean, I guess QAnon existed, but it hadn't really become part of the conversation. People didn't know about it. It was still pretty fringe. And of course, now it's become shockingly, alarmingly, you know, mainstream on the right. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, Rando was such an easy character for me to write because I feel like in the jobs that I've worked, I've met so many people like him. You know, he's this kind of former alcoholic and he stays up all night listening to Coast to Coast, this radio program about alien abductions and conspiracy theories. And then he shares all of these when he comes into work. And of course, James and, and Owen, uh, who are more left-leaning, um, just sort of roll their eyes and, you know, they sort of laugh it off. But then when the election actually happens, they get into a big argument. It sort of comes out that Rando voted for Trump and and they sort of have it out at, at work. But, um, you know, I think that's, there was, that was important to me, writing, um, writing about the workplace, especially people doing manual labor, um, because I think they're, you know, Trump is attractive to certain people in the working class like like Rando even if even if voting for him is is kind of a vote against their interests you know Lee Cole is the author of Groundskeeping we will talk more in a moment this is the Talk of Iowa book club This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club. I'm Charity Nebbe. I'm talking with Lee Cole about his debut novel, Groundskeeping. At the center of the novel is a young man named Owen. He's a little bit aimless. He wants to be a writer. He is trying to find his place in the world. And he grew up with a pretty disadvantaged background. So he doesn't have a lot of resources to fall back upon. He is working as a groundskeeper on the campus of a, a small private college in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. And he falls in love with a young woman who is already a successful writer. She's the visiting writer on campus. She comes from a very different background. And that's just one of the divides that Cole explores in this novel. And uh, just before the break, we were talking about the political divide of the moment that you're capturing in this novel, the, the lead up to the election of 2016, and then the months following that election. And Owen also has some conflicts with his family. I mentioned earlier, he's living in his grandfather's basement and he's living there rent free. And his grandpa is alone in the world in some ways. His wife has died and he lives with his adult son who had an accident as a young man and really can't live independently. Uh, a man who has a lot of anger, a lot of physical problems. Tell me a little bit about that character, his uncle. What did you want to capture there? Well, with Court, I think I started out sort of writing him as this character who says really difficult, kind of ugly things. Um, and, you know, that was one thing about 2016, that it, it seemed like there were a lot of people kind of uh, emboldened, or they felt like they had permission to kind of indulge in prejudice or kind of this ugliness that had been underneath the surface. And so that's sort of what I was writing, you know, working on court in the beginning. 
Um, but I just wanted to kind of complicate that character. And the more I, the more I worked on him, the more I thought about, you know, well, what is his background? Where is he coming from? How did he turn out this way? Why does he have all of this anger? Um, and so I introduced this kind of backstory of him having been involved in a, a car accident when he was younger, and now he's dependent on, on pain medications. And he just has a lot of bitterness and, and resentment. Um, and I think that that comes through in his, uh, his arguments with Owen. Tell me about Pop, Owen's grandfather. Yeah. Well, of all the characters, the grandfather is probably the closely, most closely, uh, you know, based on someone in my life. I based him pretty heavily on my, my own grandfather who, like the character, had his, uh, you know, wild days of, of hoboing and hopping freight trains to find odd jobs in, in Detroit or Chicago or New Orleans during the Great Depression and, and then served in, in the Pacific and in World War II. And um, I was just always really enchanted by his stories as a kid. And he was a great storyteller and um, I learned a lot from him. And so I, I wanted to sort of base this, this character on his life and, and his personality. Um, and I think he's kind of, you know, the, the heart of the book. I mean, he gives Owen a lot of, a lot of good wisdom and, and tells him he's proud of him when not a lot of other people are in, in the book. And um, he's giving him this place to live uh, and, and hoping that he gets on the right path. So I think that, that Pop is probably one of my favorite characters in the book. He also spends a lot of time watching John Wayne movies. He does. <laughs> which, which plays into that idea of nostalgia for a time that never was um, and, and a lot of mythology. But what, what were you thinking about? In, in writing about all of those Westerns. Well, exactly that. Just that, you know, even John Wayne is, is not actually, I mean, it's not his real name. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, he was this kind of just a kind of movie cowboy. He, unlike someone like Jimmy Stewart, he didn't, he didn't go fight in World War II or anything like that. So it's kind of a fantasy. The whole, the whole thing with, you know, Wayne is, is sort of a fantasy and it, it ties into this idea of a, of a mythologized, past. Um, and so many of those old Westerns kind of uh, depend on this trope of the strong man, you know, this this strong man who can come and save the village, you know, or save the town from marauders, you know. And that's that narrative is so is so powerful in American culture. And I think that's certainly what uh, Trump was part of what Trump was tapping into, I believe. Let's talk a little bit more about Alma, the the woman that Owen falls in love with. And uh, she grew up in a very different kind of background. I mean, you mentioned that her family is Bosnian, but that's something she grew up knowing, but she doesn't remember living in Bosnia. She, you know, grew up in the United States, relatively privileged, at least from a certain point on, and very driven, very successful in school with uh, goals and ideas about what she wanted to accomplish. And then she accomplished all of those things by the time she was in her mid-20s. So, I mean, in so many ways, she she is the person that Owen kind of wishes he was. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I hadn't met a lot of people who had gone to, I mean, she went to Princeton in, in the book and 
Um, you know, I, I hadn't met a lot of people who had gone to Ivy League schools until I got to the Iowa Writers Workshop, and there were quite a few there um, who had gone to either an Ivy League school or a pretty elite um, college. And I've also done some tutoring work since then with with kids who are coming from kind of privileged backgrounds who are you know trying to go to really kind of fancy schools, and it's just in, it's just a totally interesting and sort of foreign mindset to what I had when I was a teenager. Um, you know, just like you said, just being really driven and, and being totally focused on this goal of going to the best schools and getting the best scores on your tests and getting the best grades. And, and Alma, you know, has sort of been on this preordained track almost, you know, that her parents have set her on. Um, and I think for people like that, it can be sometimes hard to understand. I think for Alma, it's hard to understand Owen. It's hard to understand his aimlessness or how he could come from this place where no one in his family has a college degree, you know, and, and everyone's just sort of content to, to stay home and to not go out into the world. And I mean, Owen is the exception to that rule in the sense that he's left his small hometown, but he hasn't gone much further than that. Um, so yeah, I think her success is part of what makes it difficult for her to understand his background and part of what makes it difficult for him to understand hers. Well, except that she also seems to be at least somewhat fascinated with his background. You know, she, and and this is kind of the hipster pose of, of the mid 20. Tens, I guess, you know, she shops at thrift stores. She smokes cigarettes. Um, you know, she she drives a, a beat up car. And these are things she doesn't have to do. But she, you know, she wants to convey this idea of somebody who maybe has lived more than she has lived and and has had more disadvantages than she's had. And yet she's horrified when she finds out about true experiences that Owen has had in his life because he really did grow up with these disadvantages. Yeah, I mean, I think like Owen, she kind of has this longing for the unfamiliar, or she's at least fascinated by the unfamiliar. Um, And so, you know, I think she finds the fact that he's from Kentucky and his little, uh, you know, colloquialisms and sayings sort of quaint. Um, And that's certainly an experience that I've had going out into the world and meeting people from cities that, you know, I don't perceive myself to have an accent. But I guess, you know, in my early 20s, it was a little bit stronger and, and people would would ask me to repeat things that I said or, you know, find something that I said sort of uh, cute almost, you know, which um, I guess it makes sense. But, you know, I think, you know, Alma, um, you're right that she's sort of uh, taking on this persona of which was pretty common, I think, um, during that time of the mid mid 2010s of, of wearing sort of the, the grungy clothes or whatever. And, you know, I, I, I found that always surprising, you know, in, in grad school when I would meet someone who dressed like that and then find out that they had gone to Harvard or something, you know, it was always a sort of <laughs> shocking experience. Well, and and as I mentioned, I mean, the emotional landscape of the book feels very familiar, I think, to to probably most people who grew up in Iowa as well. Um, you know, a lot of people like to to fetishize 
a lot of things about our state for sure. Um, so you explore the the divide, uh, the socioeconomic divide, the political divide. You also explore this um, educational divide as well, which I find to be really fascinating and and something that that I've seen, you know, play out in real life as this divide seems to deepen this sort of uh, the idea that people who are educated and probably lean liberal are are somehow betraying where they came from and and who they're supposed to be. Is that is that something else that that you've really experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about that. I mean, I was just talking to someone the other day about um, even even just setting sort of class and and you know social class and money aside, even just geography, where you happen to be born, has a really strong influence on kind of the way that your life can go. I mean, if you're, for instance, if you're born in you know California and you do pretty well, then you have access to really world class kind of state colleges there, public universities. If you're born in West Virginia or Kentucky, I mean, it's not as if the state schools are bad, they're good, but it's just a different sort of level. You know, you're, you're not, it's going to, going to Berkeley is going to open more doors for you than going to the University of Kentucky. Um, but sure, I mean, there are all these sort of patterns that just repeat themselves. I mean, if you like, you know, if your parents went to an elite college, then chances are you're going to be able to go to an elite college. And and if your parents didn't have a degree, then, you know, it's going to be a lot harder for you to to get there. Um, and I think that, you know, all these issues of, of class and, and education were were definitely on my mind as, as I was working on the book. I'm talking with Lee Cole. His novel is called Groundskeeping. And you have a, a very poignant moment in the novel where Alma's father, he, Owen goes and meets her family and she meets his family, but uh, Alma's father talks about what it was like in the former Yugoslavia as things began to fall apart and his people were in danger. There was a genocide perpetrated on his people. And some of those murderers were their neighbors and those people are, are still living in the communities that, that, you know, he fled from. And he draws a parallel between this make America great again movement and what happened as his neighbors decided that, you know, they no longer wanted to live with Muslim neighbors. And, you wrote all of this before January 6th, before <laughs> the insurrection. <laughs> what, what was going through your mind on January 6th? I mean, aside from just kind of being horrified, um, you know, that was one of my big, it's, it's one of my greatest fears, I think, that, you know, people on the right will sort of keep following this man until they find themselves in a really dark place that they can't kind of get out of, you know. Um, and with January 6th, I mean, I just see all this, you know, kind of paramilitary stuff and this obsession with guns and, you know, uh, 
the Oath Keepers and all these groups that were storming the Capitol. I mean, it all is really, um, really disturbing. And it seems like, you know, Trump has sort of created the environment where that kind of stuff can flourish. And I think that that's what Alma's father, Eldon, was kind of talking about in that scene, that that as soon as a despot sort of comes along, uh, an authoritarian leader comes along and, and gives permission for people to behave that way, then then there are people who indulge in it, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And believe that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, that believe that their cause is righteous, yeah, which makes it even more disturbing. So this novel just deeply explores this moment in time that we've all just lived through uh, four years ago, and we're still living with the the repercussions of it, of course, every day. And I, I found myself being very grateful for your work because it's you know it's it's something that I think about all the time, especially here in Iowa, this urban rural divide, this political divide, this educational divide, the socioeconomic divide that just seems to get deeper and deeper. And I, 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 it's part of my goal to, to help bridge these divides. So you dove deep and you, and you really explored it in this nuanced way. What do you want people to take away from spending time in the mind of, of your characters? Well, I think the main thing is just, it's just empathy. You know, I mean, that's what, you know, as a writer, you're having to think about all the time is how can I go deeper into these characters? How can I think about their motivations and where they're coming from? And I think if people were able to take that tool, that writerly tool and apply it in life and apply it to people who maybe disagree with you or on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, then I think we'd be in a better place. So yeah, I guess I hope that people who read Groundskeeping come away with with not just a better understanding of the divisions in our country, but a little more empathy for the other side. What is your level of hope for that right now? Uh, well, you know, like you said, it, it's worth mentioning, or it's yeah, it's worth noting that I that I wrote the book before January sixth and and before um, before COVID. But you know, I think that. Uh, I don't know what my level of hope. I just hope that people realize that, you know, they're what people want is not that different, that we're all sort of striving for the for the same things. We all want, you know, access to good health care and housing and education. And, you know, all of the other stuff is is sort of um, beside the point, you know. Um, so I hope that we're able to sort of move beyond uh, Trumpism. You are living in New York City now. That's right. Yeah. You feeling homesick for Kentucky? I do. You know, I was in I was in the South driving the other day, and I I was just it was amazing to me how much easier it was to drive. There was no traffic, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I miss this. You know. <laughs> well, maybe you can go home again. <laughs> Lee, thank you so much for talking with me today. Well, thanks so much for having me. Lee Cole is the author of Groundskeeping. This is the Talk of Iowa Book Club from Iowa Public Radio. Thank you. 
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.